In today's episode, we're talking about online safety. Hey everyone, welcome to the Papai Fatigue podcast, the podcast for dads by dads. We recently ran across an article that said that 80% of parents think technology has made parenting more difficult and causes kids to grow up faster. And it got us thinking about our own online safety plan. But first, here's my deal. I'm Dave. I have an eight-year-old daughter and a five-year-old son. I'm Jim. I've got two daughters, eight and five. So let's kind of uh, tear into some of the survey highlights and then go from there. And and sort of just as a backgrounder, the survey respondents had kids. I think there were 2,000 respondents and their kids uh, age ranged from five to 18. So just to kind of put all these uh, responses in, into context. And a few interesting data points we pulled out here. First of all, parents shared that their kids received their first internet connected device at seven years old. And 23% said they gave their child access to the web between the ages of three and five. 86% of parents said they talked to their kids regularly about their online safety. When asked what is most worrisome regarding their child's well-being, 31% of parents cited physical safety, while 30% said their child's online safety worried them the most. 88% of parents surveyed agreed that it's their responsibility to monitor and or control their child's online activity. Uh, But more than half, 54% um, of the same parents felt that it was a violation of their child's trust to monitor, track, and or control their online activity. Uh, And then lastly, the top concerns when it comes to their online safety included uh, negative or dangerous interactions on social media, so that was 55%. uh, Viewing inappropriate content, 54%. A uh, much lower proportion of parents cited cyberbullying, 18%, and violent video games, 23%. Uh, and so before we kind of go into this, I, Jim, I'm a little bit curious. Was there anything in particular that jumped out from these data points for you? I mean, the big one to me was this almost a quarter of people said they gave their child access to the web between the ages of three and five which is shocking. And, and maybe I don't know if that's uh, if there's sort of a distinction between an app, right, and, and a web. Because when I think web, I think of an actual browser where the kids can literally sort of do whatever they want. So I'm not, I'm not clear. But if that is the case, that to me is shocking. I guess if it's apps, okay, I sort of get it. But, you know, it, was there anything in particular that, that sort of stood out uh, to you in, in these uh, data points? I thought a couple of these were interesting. One that uh, more than half feel that it's a violation of their child's trust, child's trust to monitor track and or control their online activity. And I think that's probably for older kids. Mm -hmm. And I think for maybe even less than 10, Mm -hmm. 10 years old, or, you know, at our age, the five and eight, I, that, that's not a violation of trust at at all, in my opinion. And, and I would be very aggressive and, and probably will be more aggressive about that sort of monitoring. And also cyberbullying, that seems pretty low to me. Uh, You know, there's some high profile cases in the media about, uh, about the consequences Mm -hmm. of cyberbullying. And it's, terrifying and heartbreaking mm-hmm. and maybe it, it's anyhow it seemed low to me because it's, it's a bigger concern for me yeah and i wonder if one of that is just that those are the things that get attention on the media but that in point of fact most parents are not necessarily concerned i i certainly am it is something i have in the back of my mind and i say that uh i think for us too that because our kids are younger and they're not on facebook yet they're not you know that i think that to me is where I start getting my, you know, my spidey sense start kick starts kicking in is once they start getting onto these, you know, online social networks and and into 
communities where there is an actual exchange of, you know, conversation. And that could also be, you know, uh, online gaming as well, right? It doesn't, it's not only things like Facebook and Instagram and, uh, and, you know, those platforms. But I, yeah, I think that one is probably for our kids not quite there yet. You make an interesting point. I think the biggest point of concern for me is that intersection of real life and digital content, you know, the the digital community communities that you're talking about, because just monitoring content uh, for, you know, viewing or apps mm-hmm. or websites, that's one thing. But then you start getting into the online communities, chat groups, message boards, things like that. That's where my I have bigger concern about that, because there's much less control. Obviously, there's other people involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, totally agree. So with all that being said, uh, Jim, what are some of the primary activities that your kids are doing online? Well, I'll divide between online and on screen or on device. Mm-hmm. So they've, um, uh, we've got iPads that the, the girls will use and the apps that we have, they're either, either only populated on the iPad or they're in specific folders and the girls know that they can do the apps within, in those folders. There's some that are just games, um, you know, painting games or the, uh, you know, like hairstyle games. And then most of them are have some sort of educational component to them, and and the best ones are in between, where it's a game that is educational, like a coding game, and uh, those seem to be pretty popular with them, or problem solving puzzle uh, games. As far as online, I think the only only online meaning through a web browser that they do is this thing called Storyline Online, which is from the the SAG Actors Guild, and they've got people reading the stories. But I think they, I'm almost sure that they access that through the app, and then the app pulls up the YouTube videos. I think there is a website and maybe a couple of times they've gone to that website and we've had to go back to the app. Uh, but that's it. That's the only thing that they'll do by themselves uh, as far as through a browser and, and online. Mm-hmm. For us, most of the online activity is, is focused on my eight-year-old. And yeah, I think like you, you know, she's mostly doing educational apps. We haven't yet hit anything in particular that's got, again, this sort of community and commenting aspect yet but that's probably you know it's, it's probably not far down the path uh, most of the homework this year actually all the homework this year most of the homework this year is online for her so that certainly is a thing they're primarily uh, app based but there are some web based um, homework assignments uh, she certainly our daughter um, video conferences with grandma and some of her friends and one of her friends just got a Zoom account. <laughs> the, dad set up a, the dad set up a Zoom account for her. Uh, and it was mostly because they wanted to share, they wanted to do screen sharing. Because my daughter asked me, I'm like, you're, you're eight. There's no way I'm sending a Zoom, a Zoom account for you. So, of course, the other, the other dad did. He was well, probably, he's tired of her using his. Probably. Well, and you know what I think, and we've talked about this before too, right? This is the, the whole thing of like kids with older siblings are pulling our own kids along, right? So this girl has an older sister who is in fifth grade so my guess is the you know the fifth grader is is zooming a fair amount with her friends after school and so right the daughters that were the the younger daughter saw it who's my daughter's friend and so it's starting to feel a little bit like there are a couple of kids that are doing some video chatting after or outside of school hours and it i don't want to say we're in the fomo territory yet And, and this is i think also that sort of conversation about you know, when do the kids get devices and when do they get to go online? And, you know, because all of their other friends are, you know, so this this video conference, I'm sort of seeing the the beginnings of this, like, well, everybody else is doing it, which, of course, is not the, you know, it's not the reality of it. Um, 
but that's there's not too too much of that yet uh like you we're also doing the stories uh stories online and my son will do that as well that's probably one of the few sort of web-based things she is doing a little bit of youtube here and there and the youtube is primarily for craft type videos for her to see so for instance uh, just this weekend she made a witch out of clay and so she just wanted to watch a video to get a sense of how to do it and then she uh, fired off the clay and then basically hung it up uh, so she started to decorate and she made some uh, pumpkins and so she's sort of that's how she's kind of getting some ideas for the the kinds of crafts that she wants to do. So that one is, there's a little bit of YouTube that's coming back again. So what kinds of devices do your kids have access to? We don't have a computer in the, that, that's like a family computer. My wife and I both have uh, PC setups for our, our work, but we don't have anything in the living room or anything like that. Uh, the older one has an iPad. It was a gift from her grandma, so it's a, a newer one. And then the younger one uses one of my old iPads, and we call it her iPad. But both of those are tied to uh, either my Apple ID account or my wife's Apple ID account. So they're not strictly, they're not really their devices. They're just secondary devices that they use for playing their games. Um, they did have Chromebooks for a while, and uh, when the remote school started in 2020, uh, but those uh, those didn't work out real well. I'll, I'll talk some more about that in a minute. Okay. Yeah, we just have the tablet, and it's funny. I long now for the days of having desktops, right? Where we could just, all right, you can sit here, and you can't go anywhere, and we can make sure you're not wandering around the house with a with an easy to view tablet or uh, hiding a tablet, say in your bedroom. As has who would do that? <laughs> as has happened in my house. Right? <laughs> so, so yeah, I. Uh, but she, yeah, she has a tablet. Our son doesn't really have anything. Long ago, we uh, for some travel, I did actually get them. Um, the Amazon tablets, but those things are basically only ever used for travel. And outside of that, she's just using an old tablet that is, uh, it's like a Gen 1. So what kind of rules do you have around devices or, you know, online activities? Again, delineating between the online stuff and the app stuff, just briefly touched on the screen time. We we have very strict limits on what they can do just messing around. It's like, you know, the equivalent of TV time, except they're playing games or doing some sort of educational thing. They both know that they cannot go online, again, meaning through a web browser, without a parent. And that means a parent sitting next to them uh, while they do their search. Um, the older one figured out Amazon. And obviously, I think she watches us do it. And uh, and so there was, <laughs> so she's she so she can't go on Amazon uh, without us. We'll do, we'll do that together. Uh, no YouTube again. There's that st storyline online, but I think that's all the YouTube videos are hosted there, but through the app. And then they can FaceTime with uh, with our permission. You know, they can't just call up their friends or or you know the grandma without us knowing. And they have to stay in the same room. Uh, so we can sort of monitor the, the conversations. It's no, no, um, you know, secret calls or private calls in a way. And it's more of a, a, a family event. Mm -hmm. So I got to know, how did you find out that your daughter was getting an Amazon? What's the story? <laughs> what, what kind of toy showed up at the front door? <laughs> Not quite yet, but you know what? It's, it's, uh, we're worried about that because she's got her card from uh, the Busy Kids. <laughs> 
<laughs> so she's she she's could got totally a source of income. <laughs> she knows her address. She could uh, totally be shot by herself. So yeah, this is this is kind of the later story, and I was trying to figure out how to weave it into this. But we the the big experience we had with online activity was with the Chromebook. So uh, our daughters were in a, a school pod at a place down the street, and it was um, I think there was three other kids, so a total of five kids, and it was uh, one of the caregivers that we'd been using with uh, with our girls for a long time. And the school had set up an iPad. Uh, the younger one was just doing activities. The older one was doing online school. And the school had set up an iPad for her to use. And it had, you know, loaded all the, all the apps and, you know, it was all set up uh, just for just for that. And then we had, uh, we had, and this was for the fall, fall 2020. Am I getting that right? Yeah, fall 2020. So yeah, in yeah. the in the spring 2020, when remote school had just started and the school hadn't figured out how to transition to the online stuff, everyone was kind of scrambling. And so we we bought Chromebooks for uh, for both the girls. And so then when the when fall school started, uh, the older one was using the iPad, and then she she said she wanted to use the she wanted a keyboard. It was hard to type on the on the iPad, so that's fine. So we let her take the the Chromebook to the uh, to the school pod. And then we came to parent-teacher conference, and my wife and I frequently get very good responses from the teachers about our daughters, and we got a rude awakening. And they said that uh, they said that she's not she's not attending class. She's not she's either not attending class or she's not paying attention to class or both. And wow. uh, they were very frustrated. And what we found out was that uh, she wanted the Chromebook because there was an older I think there was a, a third grader. Um, in the school pod. And so the older one knew about things like Amazon and websites and things like that. And so they wanted to use the Chromebook because she could have multiple tabs open and then mm. she could she could half do school and half surf the internet at the same time. And so we found this out and it learned it had been going on for about 30 days. And we wow. found that out from, yeah, we found out from, uh, so about a month, maybe a month and a half. And we found out about it, about the activity by looking at the, the browser history. And what was interesting is that uh, it started with just here or there, you know, one thing here, one thing there. And by the end, it was just all day surfing the web wow. of all sorts of stuff. And it was all fairly innocent. But what was mm-hmm. what was most eye-opening to me was the beginning of the rabbit hole, mm-hmm. where you could see that the things that, that, um, that she had searched for, the things that she had looked on on Amazon, then, you know... Uh, teased to something else and then there was another suggestion and so on and so forth and so by the end she was pretty deep into the um uh into those apps and websites that are very commercial and you know pay a dollar 99 or you know playing apps where you got to do she didn't thankfully charge any money to it Mm -hmm. but you could see how unsupervised it went from some innocent searches for toys and you know Mm. pets or whatever and by the end it was she was in the kind of shark infested waters so and yeah, yeah. So it was it was eye opening for us. We pulled the Chromebook, obviously, and put her back on the iPad, and it was fine. She recovered in a in a week or two. But it was uh, it was an eye opener for us. And and you know, it's um, from a from a parenting standpoint with the relationship, it was um, she was aware that she was not making good decisions, and mm-hmm. so when we intervened. It was like a weight was lifted off her shoulder and she just felt better, you know. And all of that is indicates that that sort of unsupervised online activity is pretty toxic. And yeah, yeah. and that was, again, I, I can't say it any other way. It was, it was an eye-opening experience and we've definitely been on, on guard for that since. 
Wow, that's crazy. What What's interesting about the story too is, yeah, I mean, I obviously know your daughter, and I feel like there was an opportunity for the teachers to intervene a little bit earlier. And I mean, look, in fairness to them, right? They're everyone's virtual, and I get you know, like they're all jug- they're juggling so many kids, and they're all virtual. But I gotta believe the shift in what they knew her as yeah. to what she ended up thirty days later. Like, there. I mean, I guess it's 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 a slow progression. But at some point, it felt like they would have recognized that and, and basically reached out to you and said, something's up here because this is not at all the daughter, you know, the girl right. that we know. And we're not like, what's been going on? Is it like you guys? Is it like, what? what's the deal? Yeah. But again, in, in fairness to them, right? I mean, this was, they're managing all sorts of stuff. They're managing whatever, 20 kids all on screens at the same time. Um, and so I, you know, I, I understand that they, you know, obviously they were stretched thin as well. Um, but but I suppose at least the the timing of the parent teacher conference was such that it didn't go like three months and you guys found out three months later, right. which would have been pretty pretty problematic. Yeah, I think that was my impression is that it probably started as a trickle and then got to be a little bit worse, and then by the time that it was worth uh, you know intervening, yeah, it was probably it close was... enough to the conference mm-hmm. that we had just talked about it then. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and you you're absolutely right in that we so we we got rid of the the Chromebook and then we put together some controls where. The teachers would, uh, you know, email us in the morning what she was supposed to be doing, and then they'd mm-hmm. email a report at the end of the day. Was she there? Was she doing some stuff? And within three days, but they both reported like, "There she is. There's the like the happy yeah, shining yeah, yeah. girl that we know. You know, it's so nice to have her back." Is what they what they had said. Again, I mean, that's 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 an indication of some something toxic that was going on. Well, it, it sounds. I mean, look, I'm not I'm not an expert, right? But it sounds like a an actual um, addiction. Exactly. Right. It right. totally, especially the way you talk about it. Like the, when you had that conversation with her, it felt like she, she felt a relief that she yes. could, you know, like that's, that's it's it's insidious, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's so crazy, and I think it goes to show though that that kids are, well, that that the, the online online's so complicated, and it's just it's so easy for them to, yeah, start off at point A. And within a couple of days, end up at Z, and you're like, "How did you get here?" And then, yes, when you follow the tra- the, the trail backwards, you can go, "Okay, I see how they got here." Super sketchy, mm-hmm. super sketchy. But that you know, there was that sort of um, there was a a portal into, or you know, like that the, this was the the landing zone that then released all of these other searches. And then, yeah, next thing you know, you're just all in the win free and spin that and mm-hmm. sign up for and. Yeah, that uh, that could have gone. Really and a bad. lot of commercial stuff, like the like Barbie stuff, and you know the you know think about like Daniel Tiger or you know something that some other toy that's got some redeeming qualities. They were way outside of that. They were clearly in just strictly commercial stuff. And you know, part of it, in my impression, was the the kids, uh, any kids' desire for boundaries. You know, mm-hmm. and to for her to be testing those boundaries and to be way outside of any sort of, you know, guardrails, I think was pretty unsettling to her. And so, you know, again, I think she was relieved that we had intervened. So part of it is just basic parenting guidelines and, and, you know, boundaries and all that. But the other is uh, how she got outside of those boundaries in the first place. And that's, that was the the slippery slope that we're talking about, you know, how one thing leads to the other. And, and it is like an addiction, you know, with, with, um, you know, the more that she felt she could get away with, then the more that she would do. So instead of, you know, sneaking a page here or there during the day, by the end, it was like all day. She was just mm-hmm. online surfing the web all day long. So, yeah, that was so 
you know, that's not quite, well, maybe it is, maybe it's the kind of uh, online safety that we're talking about for this age group. Uh, but it's definitely, uh, I mean, I had been concerned about the online world for my kids for a long time, but this was kind of our first run in with it. Yeah. And I think, you know, relative to the, the comment about the cyberbullying at this, I think at least at this age, the kind of experience that you talk about is probably the more normal experience where kids start somewhere and then, yeah, they just get lost and we don't know how they got there versus at cyberbullying, which I think is probably the next sort of big thing that we'll have to face again in the next maybe year. It's probably a year at most, I would think, just kind of thinking about nine-year-olds and, 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 and again, the sort of the kids, the, the nine-year-olds that have now 12-year-old siblings, right, which is kind of that two- to three-year gap, and those kids are doing a lot more, and they're just pulling the younger siblings along, which is pulling our kids along. So as far as uh, at our house, in terms of the kinds of rules we have, it's, it's funny how our rules are completely... Uh, dictated by our experiences with our kids, right? It's, it's all right, well, we this is what happened and here's now what we've done in place. So my, what happened with us, as I, as I alluded to, and, and Jim, you sort of uh, chuckled at, was that so similar to your daughter, my daughter went down a, uh, maybe a more, uh, shall we say, a more aggressive path slightly in terms of what she did. So she, I remember, it was last year, I guess, the teachers were saying towards the end of the year, I think it was, that uh, our daughter was coming in. Like she fell asleep in, or she was almost falling asleep in class one time. She was just complaining about being tired. And then on the weekends, you know, normally weekday weekend, right? You might wake up like an hour later. But there are a few weekends where she was waking up at like 11 o'clock. And I'm like, that's really weird. I'm not sure what's going on. And one night my wife went into their room at like midnight and found that our daughter was on the iPad. And, and that very night, I had asked her where the iPad was. And she said, oh, I don't know. Which she clearly knew where it was because she had hid it under her mattress. So um, we put her on a timeout and said, okay, well, you know, you're not going to get any more iPad. And then I busted her again because she needed the iPad for, I think, some homework at the time, or some of the online classes at the time. And I busted her again like two weeks later doing stuff on the iPad she wasn't supposed to do. So at that point, she was put in an indefinite timeout, which is it just lasted like, I don't know, six, eight months. I, said, <laughs> I didn't really mean indefinite, but but here we are. It's all, we're coming up on a year. And actually, part of the reason that I haven't really lifted the, the indefinite timeout is simply because I enjoy the fact that I'm not being pestered every weekend about, can I watch video? Like, they just have accepted it. And it's it's kind of a nicer way to live that they are not constantly asking for screen time. They just, they're playing other things. Certainly my son, you know, he, at five, he, you know, if you can, if I turn on the iPad and I'm like, here, watch Octonauts, he can go all day long, right? Um, and, but at this point, he, he just doesn't, he doesn't even ask anymore. Whereas literally all weekend long, that when can I watch? Yeah. When can I watch? I'm like, stop, stop, stop. And again, we sort of talked about this. Part of it was because there was no sort of, rhyme or reason to when I would allow them to watch the iPad, which makes which makes them more likely to just constantly badger you, right? Versus like, you know, when we were growing up, if it was like, you know, Saturday morning cartoons, well, it's from whatever to whatever. And if you miss that, it's done, right? And you sort of right. you know what the guidelines are here. It's like everything's on demand and it's just a faction of, I just got to get dad to agree and then we can do it, right? So that's part of the reason that we've stopped. And, and like I said, it's been nice. I mean, again, at this point now, she's consuming more 
devices just because she has homework on there and a lot of the reading now is done online so that the teachers can kind of monitor them. So, you know, we don't have too many rules, again, simply because right now my son gets basically no no screen time at all. And um, our daughter basically gets the amount of time it takes her to do homework. Um, that being said, you know, I guess the only other place where they do have a little bit of not quite screen time, though, is podcasts. They like listening to podcasts, which I'm OK with. And so we she doesn't have the code to unlock the iPad. So if anybody wants to listen to anything, they have to come to us. We'll unlock it. She then picks her thing. And then I make her show me that it's locked again, because that's where we got into trouble last time, where I'd unlock it for her to do one thing. And then, you know, she had done that one thing and she's still on the iPad. So this is kind of a way of just keeping it a little bit, um, just a little bit more tight. Uh, and so I'm actually curious, do do your does your daughter or either of your daughters have the ability to unlock the iPad themselves? Like, is there a passcode on that or is it not password protected so they can just kind of access it whenever they want to? No, it's passcode, both uh, both the iPads and and the, the Chromebooks at the time, I think. No, I think they, she I think she could log in by herself. But yeah, de- definitely passcodes. And we had uh, we use passcodes all the time. Uh, we, we never turn those off. But the older one had known the passcode and we end up with some some problems so now it's only mom and dad can unlock them yeah that we, we found the same that right like once they know it it basically they're just going to do whatever they want whenever they want so it, it sort of defeats the purpose i'm curious do you have any other blockers or any other ways of sort of controlling access on the device no not really we've got the safe search on for the web browsers and um that's really the only thing that we have uh, for their for the streaming accounts online at Netflix, whatever we have separate kid accounts, so they're not browsing adult content. But that's really all we have. Yeah, you know, we uh, I think she has the safe search on her browser, but so I was just on it the other day looking for something for her, and I realized she has somehow accessed private browsing mode. And I, she clearly doesn't, so it's not like she's trying to avoid us because she, she's like, oh yeah, I, I just used this. I don't even know how I got there because I was looking, I was trying to go through her history or I was doing something else actually. And then I was like, wait a minute, all of her stuff here is in, is in, it's all in incognito mode. Uh, so that's something that we're going to have to f- figure out. Like, I, I don't know if there's a way to turn off the, if you can render incognito mode inaccessible. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually don't know that. That's something I have to have to Google. But because, you know, that's kind of what I'm looking to do is just I periodically just go through the history to kind of see what she's been up to. Actually, one thing that I do is, you know, like on the iPad, when you sort of double click, right, you see all the all the uh, mm-hmm. apps that are active, right? And even as an adult, you constantly forget to actually close things down. So usually I'll go through, kind of take everything off. And so then when she refreshes, I can see sort of what she's been up to to see if she's been accessing anything she hasn't. But um, yeah, I think we probably need to get something a little bit um, more proactive, I, I think, than, than, than what we're doing right now. Um, so with that in mind, do you have any websites that are off limits? Well, just about all of them. I mean, she can't go online without mom and dad. Uh, but definitely and specifically, we've talked about YouTube, that she cannot watch, watch YouTube without us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think the, so we did you guys use the YouTube Kids app? back in the day Mm -hmm. okay 
So we use that initially because we're like, hey, you know, that it's built for kids and blah blah blah. And that thing is a that's a cesspool, man. Like it just it's um, it's like the worst of the Saturday morning cartoon commercials. Mm-hmm. Like it's literally just going it, right. from one commercial to the yeah. other to the next. And like she's telling me all this stuff about Ryan's world, and I'm like, no, we're just we're not doing this thing. Um, and so we actually ended up deleting the YouTube Kids app, and and I think there was other other stuff too, where there was just some super sketchy things that had made it through the kids filter, um, and that were specifically targeting kids in the app in the YouTube Kids app. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know we we don't have any websites that are necessary off limits because like i said she just she really hasn't been using the web browser much we again she she is using some youtube so there is some of that and i might consider maybe downloading the youtube app just so she doesn't have access to the browser but you know again for her right now youtube is primarily a way to get inspired for her jewelry, get inspired for her craft work. So I'm okay with that. Also, there's actually a lot of great drawing tutorials, which I see are clearly uh, doing really good things for her in terms of her ability to, to draw. So it's it's kind of figuring out how to weigh the advantages of YouTube without allowing them to sort of, you know, go down that, click on this, click on that. And the next thing you know, you're right, you're not sure. You're not sure where she's going, but I do think that we need to kind of figure out a way of monitoring her her website activity a little bit better than we are now. Yeah, particularly with YouTube, it, it happens quickly, uh, yeah. the, the divergence. You know, you start from one thing and then you get the next similar thing. And then, you know, and by the time that there are four or five videos in it, that's already way off the path, you know, let alone 20 minutes later or 30 minutes later. So it's, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the drawing thing is interesting. Maybe there's a way and um I'm exposing my my techno ignorance, but maybe there's a way that the you know they can only access certain channels. For example, like the Mo Willems channel, you know, for for drawing, just watch those videos. Then only that playlist. Yeah, you know, for a while we would make her if she was on the iPad, she had to be in a room with an adult, mm-hmm. and and no no earphones. That's how we monitored it. Basically, was that you have to be with somebody else. And you have to, we have to be able to hear what's going on. Yeah, same. And, you know, certainly at the beginning too, when, when thing, again, when she was just, when the YouTube thing was just out of control, we're like, okay, that's it. And so we sort of relaxed that a little bit as she seems to have gotten better with it. So have you taught your kids anything about online safety? No. And this question was interesting because we, we talk about, uh, you know, safety rules with uh, bike helmets, with, you know, going to visit the neighbors and stranger danger and all that stuff. And and surprisingly, we haven't talked about online safety at all. Uh, mostly what we'd use is just scare tactics. You know, there's some things on YouTube that kids should not watch, you know, so that's why you've got to have mom and dad here when you're watching it and don't click on anything without us knowing. Uh, and I don't know that she knows what that means that there's stuff, but I think we've said that there's, there, there are scary things or things that are, uh, you know, not good for kids to look at. No, they seem to understand that. Yeah, it is funny though. Like, like, like you said, right? There's all these sort of like IRL type things that we teach our kids: the stranger danger. Right. And you know, we were just, uh, I can't. We were just somewhere over the weekend, and I said, it was like a big crowded area, and I'm like, okay, if anybody gets lost, like, you know, here's what to do. Uh, and of course, it's we're not doing I'm not doing that online either so yes I have we've have literally not had any safety conversations with her about our online activities 
again, I think, you know, this is the conversations to be having right now as our kids are slowly doing more and more, right? I, I, this, I think this conversation has exposed to me how little I've done to prepare her for being online, despite the fact that she's already started to dip that toe in the water. And so this to me is an important conversation as I go, oh yeah, I've been completely remiss in this particular aspect of safety. Whereas, you know, all the other, all the other types of IRL things, like I think we're pretty good. She knows what, to, you know, she knows the phone number, she knows her address, she knows where to go when they're, you know, she's lost. I think our son knows, you know, we, we try and talk about where to go if he's lost when we're in a crowd. So yes, they are pretty good with that, but this is a, this is an area where we just haven't spent enough time. Do, do your kids have any access to social media accounts? And, and if not, have you sort of started to think about when you're likely to allow them to, to do that kind of stuff? They don't, and really this is about the older one. She doesn't have any social media accounts and I have not thought about it because I want to put that off as long as possible. And uh, we were, I think it was over the weekend we were, we were with some friends and uh, and they asked uh, my older daughter, like, you know, do your friends have phones? When do you, are you going to get a phone? I said 16. She can get a phone when she's 16. <laughs> 21. Yeah, uh, which obviously isn't the case. But what I mean by that is eventually she's going to have to have these things because that's what her friends has and right. that's part of what the social world is. Um, but I'd like to put it off as long as possible. I mean, all the things that uh, I, I don't have a Facebook account and it's never really had an interest in me, but I've seen how toxic it could be to other people. And of course, it's got a lot of benefits and I'm sure people enjoy it for those reasons. But I think that the downside is just too much. And uh, I don't, th for the time being, for an eight-year-old, nine-year-old, maybe 10-year-old, I don't, I can't imagine that that they need social media accounts to stay in touch with their friends. You know what I mean? They don't, uh, it's not like they've graduated and gone across the country. It's just, I, I want to believe that their social life is going to be within arm's length. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think legally, I think you're supposed to be 13, right? To sign up, but obviously, you know. I'm going <laughs> to tell little... her at 16. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, there's a will, when there's a will, there's a way. I mean, I, I can't imagine that there aren't any underage kids on social media accounts. And yeah, I think for me, it's, you know, similar, right? That, Let's put it this way: we're we're not going to be one of the leaders of, you know, when it comes time to jump on social. I think we'll probably want to be sort of the back end of the pack. So you know, again, I my, I fully expect that it'll be a kid that's got an older sibling that will be one of the first kids that's on social media, and that that kid will try and pull my daughter on. And you know, I think we'll probably wait. Uh, until you know, there's a good amount of kids that are already on there because there is a point at which it's sort of a social requirement right you know at a certain age that will be something that they'll have to do whether or not we we like it or not but it'll be part of their you know their their social education if you will um but yeah i think that we're gonna want to probably uh hold off as much as possible and then, the, then i think you know these next few years to me is the we talk about uh, allowing kids to make mistakes and helping them make better decisions. I think that probably these next few years is that opportunity so that when they do have their social media accounts, that they've already had a few years of being online, you know, they're not going hog wild. They know what the rules are. And even if they have these accounts, they know what to do in the event that, you know, things look a little bit squirrely or some unknown person asks them for their contact information, right? This is that time where, we can help them understand what it means to make good decisions in a digital world so that come 13, they'll be prepared.
are you actively it's, it doesn't sound like you're actively monitoring what the kids are doing online or you are you're, you're looking through histories right yeah not with any software software i mean the, the history thing was uh you know was in unique um mm. was in response to a unique situation but mm. as with you are they've got to do the ipads in the room with mom and dad no earphones right so we can listen and they can't go online without a mom or dad with them. So they can play around on the iPad in, in the same room or have FaceTime calls in the same room, but they can't be online without us sitting next to them. Yeah, I think we have not, again, we're not really doing too much because it's primarily app-based, but it's probably makes sense to get something if we're gonna do it prior to her really jumping onto browsers, at least again, that we kind of know what's going on when, when she's in there. Um, you were saying that your kids are video chatting. Are they they're video chatting with friends or just with family or how, how's that word? A combination of both? Yeah, usually it's grandma or their cousins, um, either one of the grandmas or their cousins. And we did we did recently move, and so she has had some video calls with some of her friends from uh, from her old school, but few and far between. I could count those on one hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're similar. I think the, I would say probably ninety plus percent is with grandma, but there's one girl in particular that they were i guess there's two now that there's they sort of have some conversations like just the other day we went rollerblading with them it was a saturday and, and they're like all right well i'll see you online right and i'm like no you're not <laughs> gonna see her online you just were with her for the last two hours and it's sunday you're gonna see her tomorrow yeah. it's fine you can you can hold off so yeah there is uh, i think part of it too though is they it's not just that they need to see each other it's really they're sort of it's still kind of a fun thing to do, right? It's still the the novelty of, of being online and not having sort of the school aspect sort of weighing them down. It's the, just the ability to connect in that way. Uh, and it's, so I guess my last question was about concerning issues in the past. It sounds like we've both sort of talked about that as it relates to our rule structure, right? It, it, I, I assume that your rules were based probably entirely uh, on that Chromebook um, event that you guys had? Yeah, we had some some sort of guidelines and rules ahead of that, but it definitely got much, much stricter afterwards. And um, yeah, you know, it's, we want to have, we want to keep an eye on them because it is, there is that sort of, I'm thinking about your daughter and the FaceTime calls. It's just, it's, e- it's an easy thing to do, you know, and I feel the same way about my phone. If I'm, if I've got a down moment or I'm, you know, low energy or something, I'll, I'll look at my phone uh, and it's it's a it's an easy fix to just kind of shut your brain down and, and do something that's entertaining. And I can see that with with my daughters uh, with screen time. And you were saying about uh, taking away the iPads, and you know I tell them they they've asked to watch TV all the time. And so we've set up some rules about when they can and can't watch TV, and they're just happier. You know, mm-hmm. when we don't have TV or we don't use a lot of screen of screen time, they're just happier kids. And um, so, I mean, if what we're doing now with those sorts of rules are working for that, then yeah, we'll keep them up. Yeah, I agree. It's funny that, well, it's not funny, but it, I mean, so we had, again, that instance with our daughter sneaking it in, but we know of one family where the their daughter has an iPad, I think, and she was getting these unsolicited FaceTime calls. Yeah, that's creepy. Was, you know, right? Yeah, I was just freaking out the mom. And so the, the mom was asking us, she's like, you know, I think you guys are uh, talking to some people. Like, what are you guys using? Well, like, just FaceTime. And she's like, yeah, we're not we're not into it simply because, she, you know, she was just getting some random calls, which I guess she was smart enough never to pick up because she's like, who is this? Or probably went to a parent and was like, what do I do? But, um, yeah, that would 
that would kind of creep me out a little bit if you've got some rando calling your daughter. Yeah. Um, and whether or not it was maybe just an accidental something, like I don't know how often it happened. Yeah, it was just wrong like number one or call. something. Right. Although these days, like, how do you get wrong numbers? Right? Like, <laughs> this is it's just a different world. But but yeah, I mean, that was one where I'm like, yeah, that would. I could see how you probably wouldn't pick up the phone ever again on a on a video call if you just got some random uh, inbound call. So yeah, I mean, we we outside of the sort of uh, the one activity that was uh, initiated by my daughter. We have not at least been the recipient of anything that was a little sketchy. So we wanted to kind of close off this conversation or I guess move to the next part, which is uh, some advice that that we were looking at. And it comes from Consumer Reports on online safety. And they've got a few pointers. And the first one is establish ground rules. And we, we actually, Jimmy, just talked about that just a, a few seconds ago. Uh, and so their ground rules were things like, you know, obviously protecting personal information, right? Address, name, social security, name, passwords, phone numbers, all that kind of stuff. Don't share photos online. Don't follow or friend anyone you don't know. So certainly with that uh, other friend we were just talking about. Watch out for free stuff, which I think <laughs> probably would, would have been good for your daughter. Uh, and then, you know, keep gaming chats just about the game, right? So that Anything else could be sort of a gateway to trying to have a, a sort of a, a different conversation, shall we say, and one that is maybe less uh, innocent. So just something to watch out about. The next one is uh, use parental controls. And they were saying that instead of tweaking, say, each app setting, try and find global settings, right? So there are routers that have parent control access, Apple and Google both have their own global settings and, and then have a conversation about why and how these settings keep your your child safe. Uh, and then, you know, they were saying that when kids get into sort of late middle school, their thought was to move more out of blocking straight up blocking sites to more of the monitoring site. You know, don't micromanage your kids online experience and that, you know, it can create an adversarial relationship. And also it prevents your child from building good decision-making skills, right? That is certainly, I think, one of the things that we want to convey to our kids as they're starting to grow up through the digital space that just to sort of make those decisions so that, you know, when they're older and they're capable of, say, getting into more trouble, that they're not getting into that trouble because they're making good decisions and they've had the experience prior to that to understand how the decisions they make impact themselves. The next one is to arrange your home for online safety. And, and Jim, sounds like both of us have done a little bit of this, but they talk about physical proximity should be a key component to your online parenting toolbox, shall we say? So, right, put a device in a communal area possible or have the child be in a communal area if possible. The next thing is empowering kids with reporting tools. And, and again, we sort of touched on this a little bit. You know, the fact that our kids know what to do in real life uh, if, you know, a stranger comes up to them or if they get lost. But, you know, what what do they do when they're digital, right? What, what's sort of the equivalent of 911 when you're in the digital space? And, and so the recommendation there is going to be things like show them how to use, you know, blockers, how to block people from contacting them. And, and also talk about when to use those functions, right? So there's a difference between, say, um, you know, being in the heat of the moment, a kid drops an F-bomb when they're, say, playing a video game versus a conversation that is, 
you know, very different asking for a picture or asking for personal information, right? Those are potentially both, you know, block worthy conversations, but one is certainly, uh, I would say a level worse than, you know, an F-bomb, depending on, again, your own family circumstances, an F-bomb might be pretty high up there, but my guess is it's still not as high up as somebody asking for personal information about your child. Uh, and then the last one they have here is just model good behavior, right? Or, you know, if if we're always on the phone, which I, I guess most of us are, right? It's hard for us to then look at, you know, a 14-year-old kid in the face and say, hey, you're using your phone too much, right? If you're at the table and you're on your phone, that 14-year-old is going to want to be on the phone too, right? Or if you're trolling people online and your kid sees that, it's pretty hard to tell your kid to be a good digital citizen and to, you know, not be trolling people and, and you know, trying to teach them about cyberbullying if you are... Uh, if you're if you have some shades of that in your own conversation, so you know things to think about. So those are the kind of the the uh, recommendations from Consumer Reports, and you know I mean online safety right it's a really big issue to tackle, and it can certainly seem overwhelming at times right, especially if your kid is more digitally savvy than you are, which I think can happen as they you know in the into the teens. Um, but you know, we hope that this this conversation was useful, if if for no other reason than to hear how some other parents are tackling the subject. If you'd like to support the podcast and hear more discussions around fatherhood, please subscribe and drop us a review. You can also head over to the website papaefatigue.club. That's P-A-P-A-E-S-T-F-A-T-I-G-U-E.club to pick up some merch and use the discount code podcast for 10% off. And if you have any questions, hit us up on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Thanks for listening.